Don't be surprised. The Lord surprised Pastor Prado and us. Amen. And we're grateful for that. Without further ado, I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles. Exodus chapter 20. We're going to read from verse 1 through verse 6. For the honor and the glory of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. We're not going to be too long. We know the time has extended. So in about 20 minutes, our brother, the, the piano player, amen, 20 minutes, brother, amen. And we're going to go ahead and uh, get ready to go into the word. So Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 and on, and I'm going to read from the screen, says the following, God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt not have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments." Let us pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. We thank you, Jesus Christ, for this opportunity you give us to hear and listen to the counsel of the word of God. And we ask, God, that you will speak to us. Speak to every single one of us that is here, God, and that may get to hear this message and prepare our hearts and our minds, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, Lord, will fill this place and each and every one of us will be touched, Lord, by your word and by your spirit. For the word of God shows me that your Holy Ghost, Lord, your spirit will convince and convict, bring conviction of sin unto this world, Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we entrust ourselves in your hands and ask you to, Lord, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. So the Bible tells us and presents to us in Exodus chapter 20, when you read before this, a scene where God is going to speak to the people of Israel from Mount Sinai. We know that God had actually chosen the people of Israel to become priests, to become uh, that people that would represent God here on earth. And it was such a tremendous feat, a tremendous job and a tremendous task for them. But we see here in Exodus 20 where God speaks. Amen. God is the one that is speaking here. And, 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 and the Bible says God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a uh, something I remember years ago when I heard on the radio, a man that was kind of explaining a little bit of authority and what happened was he said that there was a man that had gone to Great Britain and he was visiting there and while he was there there was a wall that was concrete and it was a very and, and, and with stones it was very very elegant sort of the story kind of goes like that and so uh, there was a sign that said you know no sitting on no standing on the, these uh, this construction that they had done that was very important for them so he didn't see anybody around and he figured there was no harm in it so he stands up and he starts walking on the wall this very short wall and as he's walking in one direction he suddenly hears 
he suddenly hears a voice that speaks to him and it wasn't God, it was a man that was wearing a uniform and he said, I am the police, you will get off this wall. He first indicated to him, I am a police officer, I am the law, I have this authority and I am telling you, you will get off this wall. And that man immediately listened and obeyed and got off that wall. But look at what God says. I am the Lord, thy God. That's what he says. First of all, I'm letting you know who I am. I am the Lord. I am your God. I am the one speaking to you. Pay heed. Listen to these words. And he says, he gives a testimony, a short testimony of what he has done which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt. It is I, the one that brought you out of the land of Egypt, the Lord thy God, out of the house of bondage or slavery. He is telling them, listen, I am the Lord. I am your God. I am the one that got you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, out of bondage. I am the one that is speaking to you. And the people of Israel could connect and understand. We know who you are. We remember. We know we have lived what you have done. And now that everything is clear. It's kind of like God is saying. Now that you know who I am. And who is speaking to you. And what I've done for you. I am telling you this. Thou shalt have, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Gods with a lowercase g. Now, th this is very interesting because he is saying, Thou shalt have no other. And one of the things that I have learned in, in, in the kind of work that I do is that there is some wording that is very important. Um, if you say, well, we recommend that you, you know, change your brakes, is very different than you have to change your brakes or you will char uh, change your brakes. Uh, one recommendation is based on our observations, we recommend you don't have to. You have a, some time, you have an option. You don't have to, but we recommend it because of this and this that can happen later on. Maybe your car will fail to stop or your car will begin to uh, indicate with an audible noise that your brake pads are thinning out. And then after that comes mechanical damage from your brake pads onto your rotors or your discs. So we recommend you still have another, you know, so many thousand miles, we recommend. Now when you go in there and now you're metal to metal, they say you, you, you need to do this. And if a police officer is there, he may, if he pulls you over and notices it, he could theoretically say, you will change these brakes. You will not drive this vehicle. He can cite you. He can take your vehicle because now it's a hazardous uh, vehicle that's on the road. So the reason I'm bringing this up is because some things are optional. Some things are recommendations. And here the Lord is not giving you a recommendation per se. He is not giving you an option. He is telling you what you will not do. If we say, well, you need to fix this light that's broken. That's one thing. But in, in our report, sometimes um, our, our um, food safety will say you shall repair that light. You shall have adequate lighting. 
you shall have adequately closing doors. Not if you want to, you will. And if you don't, then you're going to have deductions of points or you're going to be cited by agencies that come in and inspect the place. So the Lord says, you will not. You will not have any other gods before me. God is saying, I am here. You will not bring any gods before me. You will not. Well, not if you don't want to. It's that you will not. He's very clear. He also says that you will not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness. Anything that is like that which is in heaven, on earth, or under the earth, or in the waters. You're not going to make anything in the shape of a bird, of a lizard, of an kind of a, you know, a four-legged animal or a human being, anything that is in the heavens or is that is on earth or under the waters. The Lord is saying that you will not make yourself any type of an image. Now, I want to explain something to you when it means, because I've heard people say that, well, you know what, you're sinning because you have a picture of your family, and that's an image. And this is where we need to have wisdom and understanding of what is the intent of the Word of God. It is not that it is referring to an image of a, a, a loved one. Now, it's one thing to have a picture of somebody that you love, your children, your spouse, your family members, and it's another thing to use a picture at an altar. That is where it is different. It is one thing to remember your loved ones that have passed away and another thing to go and offer unto the dead meals or fruits or any kind of, of offerings. That's where the Lord uh, is displeased by that type of action. And we need to understand, I'm going to explain a little bit more in this way. i got to... You know, ask the Lord, give me wisdom to be able to explain this. But what he is saying also is you will not bow down to these things. You will not uh, worship them or serve them. And he says this, for I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God. Now, let me explain the word jealous. When we hear the word jealous, let's just say that here we can use the word zealous. I am a zealous God versus I am a jealous husband. I am a jealous boyfriend. Sisters, pay attention. Or I am a jealous girlfriend. Brothers, pay attention. Jealousy is a condition. It's a, it's a behavior that is destructive. It is not productive. It is hurtful. It brings problems. When a man is jealous, he is insecure about his relationship with uh, maybe his, let's just say if he's married with his wife. Uh, jealous men will end up looking at the speedometer and say, you drove 11 miles and the store is only three miles that way, three miles back. There are five miles missing. That is a very destructive behavior. A jealous uh, person will say, who are you talking to on the phone? I'm talking to mom. I'm talking to my family members, but they have insecurities and these, these things that go on in their mind that makes them terribly afraid to lose that one person that they love or they, uh, they really want next to them. But that type of behavior is not of God. And God is not jealous in that form. He is not. 
He is not. He is not a jealous God in that form. He is not insecure. He knows who he is. He has no competition. Those that are jealous in their mind that have that type of ill behavior are people that fear that someone else will come by and take that loved one away. So they're very jealous. They're very insecure. They are afraid of other people. God does not have that. God does not have a, a situation where he is afraid that he will lose us. But let me give you an explanation. Your servant is not, a, is not really a jealous man. I'm not. <laughs> and I'm, this is not about me. This is just only a kind of an example I can maybe give you. Okay. Um, I'm not. Um, I don't know why, but I'm just not. It's not that I don't love my wife. I love my wife. Right. But, but I know who my wife is. And I know what, what reigns in her life, which is the word of God. So there is no fear of what is she doing. There's no fear. I remember when I was a young man, I was invited to, to uh, Tijuana to go preach at a service. We were talking about that this morning uh, with my daughter and, and, and my wife. We were remembering, I think it was this morning, and we were remembering how uh, Pastor Castorena had invited me to accompany him to Tijuana and preach at a service. So he was going to do one part. He, was gonna, he told me, you're going to minister another part. So when we had gotten there, um, uh, Brother Villegas and Sister Villegas were not married. Uh, but my father-in-law, because we were courting, amen, um, he accompanied us and he, because my mom wanted to go and he took my mom, he, he took us all together. So we were there in the church service. I was very consecrated, amen, because I was going to have to preach. And I was sitting at the back of the church and Sister was sitting at the front. And then another young man came and sat on the other side and began to, to talk to Sister Villegas. She wasn't Villegas back then. And I'm sitting there and I'm in church and I am completely not bothered by it at all. I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was pretty funny. You know, as I'm sitting there and my wife later asked me, did you get jealous? The answer is no, because they see you alone. You're a young lady, he's a young man. He's not married. You're not married. So, of course, he's going to want to go talk to you. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no insecurity there. We were already in a relationship, but the young man had no way of knowing. And it's not like the sister continued going on and talking. She, I could tell she felt uncomfortable. So, what I'm trying to convey to you is this. That in my marriage, there's only one queen. Amen? And there's only one king. And then there's the king of kings. Because he's the one that reigns over all of us. Amen? Can you say amen? <laughs> Take it as you want to. Maybe as a sort of a little marriage conference here. But this is, this is what happens. There is no insecurity in our home. But I know very well that if I go into my home, there are pictures of no other man except me. Of course, my dad, who already the Lord took, there's pictures of him, my father-in-law. And, and, but that's it. There is no other image of anyone else. Because there is a love and a respect. There are no pictures of any other ladies. There's only one queen. And there's a love and a respect there. So now let's look at God. And God says, I am a zealous God. 
I'm not afraid of losing you. But there is a feeling of, hey, I'm your father. You don't need to go ask anybody else for anything. The men go and they are going to go ask counsel of an idol. And the man of God intercepts them and says, the Lord has said this. Is there no God in Israel for you to be going and seeking counsel of an idol? Because of what you have done, now truly you will die. So God was saying this, hey, I'm right here. You have no reason to go to anybody else. I am the Lord. I am your God. And so in the house of the Lord, there is no room for anybody else. You remember the Philistines? The Philistines or the Philistines had come over and had uh, violently taken possession of the Ark of the Covenant. And the Philistines had their gods. And the Bible shows us that when they take the Ark of the Covenant captive, because the Lord had, had uh, delivered the people of Israel into the hands of the Philistines, they had taken the Ark of the Covenant and they took it to their room where there was another image or a statue. There was a statue of Dagon. It was their God, the Philistines' God. And what happens with our God is this. The Ark of the Covenant contained within it uh, it is said, the rod, Aaron's rod that had bloomed again or had turned green again after it had been dried out. It contained manna from heaven. It also contained the Ten Commandments, God's word. It, we know that the mercy seat was on top of it, and it, it, it represented the presence of God himself. It was such a powerful and dangerous thing that if you remember when they illegally transported it, improperly transported it, and the oxen stumbled, one of the men reached up to hold up the Ark of the Covenant to keep her from falling. And once he touched it, because he had violated God's word, he fell instantly a dead man. That was the presence of God. And they took the presence of God to another room where there was an idol. And they closed the doors. The next day they come over and they found out who God is or began to get to know God because they open the doors and they see that Dagon is face down before the Ark of the Covenant. God, you know, I'm going to get to it in a little bit. Uh, they, they see Dagon there and Dagon couldn't get up. And Dagon could not tell them what had happened, but there was evidence that Dagon was now face down and, and something somehow uh, made Dagon lose his straight posture and land on his face. So men of flesh and blood walk over and pick up this one item that was made by men of flesh and blood that had an, act, an, an ability and creativity. And after they picked him up, they stood him up again. They walk out, they close the doors. The next day they come over, they open the doors and they see what God means when he says, I don't share my glory with anybody else. When they open it up, Dagon is again face down, but his face is missing because his head is broken off as well as his arms are broken off. And he is face down or, or his torso is down on the ground before the Ark of the Covenant. You will not have any other gods before me. They had no idea what was going on, but God was showing them, hey, I am God. There's no other room for no one else in here. So we got to think about, okay, 
Remember what I was telling you, just kind of giving you that personal example. How would you feel if you walk into your home and your loved one has an image of somebody else? And what God felt every single time that Israel knew, you will not have any other gods, you will not have any images, you will not worship them, you will not minister to them, you will not give any kind of offering to them. And Israel would go with the one God and with another, committing adultery with Baal, committing adultery with Asherah, and all these deities and all these idols that yes, they had eyes, but they could not see as the psalmist wrote. They have a mouth, but they don't speak, and they have hands, but they they cannot clap their hands and they have feet but they cannot walk about and when they get dust on them a man has to go over and dust them off and they cannot defend themselves remember Gideon he said well if it's between God and Baal or, or that man that interceded for his father who interceded for Gideon let Baal fight his own fight yeah Gideon took that idol and destroyed it let Baal take revenge and nothing happened so the Bible says, hey, they can't do anything to you. Amen? But imagine this, what the Lord says. I am the Lord thy God. It's only me. I am not an insecure God, but I am a zealous God. You don't have no reason to go ask anybody else for anything. I am your healer. The Lord is my shepherd. You remember that? David writes, and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now I want to take you to Jeremiah chapter 10. And I'm going to forewarn you what, what a lot of people have understood out of Jeremiah 10. And, and I'm not against Christmas. I'm not against Christmas. And I'm not going to preach to you about the Christmas tree. I'm not. I'm going to just show you what the Lord says in Jeremiah chapter 10. People interpret it about the Christmas tree. But I want you to just ask the Lord for the wisdom to understand this. Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Verse 2. Thus saith the Lord, learn not the ways of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heavens are dismayed at them. For the customs of people are vain. For one cutteth a tree, they go out to the forest, they cut a tree. The work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. It's a man with an axe going over there cutting down a tree. They deck it with silver, they adorn it, or they decorate it with silver and with gold. This, this, this wood, they fasten it with nails and with hammers that it will not move. They are upright as the palm tree. These items, these idols that are made, but they don't speak. They must needs, uh, they cannot walk. I'm going to kind of paraphrase in Spanish, in English. They, they cannot walk. They have to be carried. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither also in them, neither also is it in them to do good. For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, there is nobody like you. You are great. And your name is great in might. That's Jeremiah 10. You can keep on reading. And, and again, I'm not talking to you about Christmas. I'm talking to you about all year. All year. There was a brother, a young man. We were, when I was teaching the young people. He says, Brother Villegas, after teaching, thinking about this, he says, he was in class and he says, there was a time when I went and I 
purchased or they gave me a little wooden item that was carved out. He said, I didn't really think anything about it, but then one day it started to come to my mind and my heart. What is that? Where did it come from? You know, you and I can go to McDonald's and they sell us a little toy or we go somewhere, we buy something. It's, it's not a big deal. But then there are some items that are made exclusively for a purpose. And he said, and it began to bother me because I saw this little wooden image. It was kind of like a, uh, some sort of a thing that, that you know, also had drums. It was, it was really strange. He said, and I felt it in my heart. Something's wrong with this. And he decided to take it and move it out of his house. And there are sometimes things in our hearts because we are a house for the Spirit of God. And there are times when we accidentally receive a gift not knowing what it really is, not thinking about it, or thinking that it's okay because the world is doing this. But the Lord says you will not have other gods. Your God can be money. Maybe you think money can do everything. And you love God, but when it comes time to give tithes, maybe you don't want to give the tithes because you love maybe a little bit of money. And God says this, and Jesus teaches us from Deuteronomy 6, 4, and then Jesus teaches us and adds another word. He says, and you shall love the Lord. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Only one. And you shall love the Lord thy God. He says, you will love. Love means you'll suffer whatever God sends your way. You'll be patient waiting on the Lord. Remember, one day, one day we'll go back and look at 1 Corinthians 13 again and talk about love. And we apply it so much to men and women and children, but what about God? You will suffer the Lord. When the Lord says, wait, you will wait. When the Lord says, I'm going to do something, you will, love believes everything. I believe you, God, that you are going to do something. And I, anything you say, God, I'm going to believe you, God. And anything you send my way, I'm going to suffer it. I'm going to wait. I'm going to go through it because I love you. I remember Pastor Prado, when you got here, Pastor, and you, pro you promoted prayer and, I re uh, prayer and fasting. And I remember, uh, I remember those absolute days of fasting. And I went, I would go during my break time at work. I, I live so close to home. And I would go home and I got on my knees and I would just go into the room by myself. And I say, God, only because I love you, but otherwise I would not, I would not be starving this way. Man, only because it's you, God, it's only because it's you that I'm going to suffer this and go through this. Because I tell you, I will not go through hunger for a man or for anything that I can hold in my hand. If I can see it, if I can touch it, it is not God. Help me, God, that you will be always number one. You know what happens with money? Comes and goes. God uses money for us to bless others. He blesses people through us as a channel. Open your hand so you can receive to give to others. But don't ever do this and say, I need money. Money, money, money is everything. No, it's not. Millionaires take their lives. 
billionaires die and take nothing. And you could be dirt poor and you have God, you are rich. So in my heart and in this home, there is no picture of anyone else. Only Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God in First Colos Colossians chapter 1. First Colossians chapter 1 says that he is the image of the invisible God. He's the only one here. You know what happened? You know, I, I believe when we went into the office and told pastor that we we're going to have another baby. That was 2016. Every year is the, is the year of the Lord. That was the year of the Lord and the Lord taught me. You remember Anna? And she wanted a baby. Her husband looks at her and says, Hannah, am I not better than 10 children? Well, the answer was no, because she really wanted a baby. And to me, it was like, can you love God more than your children? There's a man here who one time said something that impressed me. He says, I love God more than my wife and my kids. I said, ooh, that brother's going to be in big trouble when he gets home. But I understood and I learned from him. You got to love God more than your wife and your kids. I said, God, yeah, I do, I do go to the store and I stand there and I, do, I, I did look at the little children's clothing and I did wonder, what's it going to be? What would it be like to hold another child in my arms? Another, uh, uh, maybe a Bob the Builder pajamas or something or maybe princess again. I don't know what it's going to be like. And then you got to be careful with your heart. I learned, I said, God, no matter what happens, if you give me more children, or even if you don't, I'm going to love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. And I got to a point where I said, you are worth more than anything, God. Because sometimes we turn our children or our wives or our family into an idol. A man once said, be careful. Because sometimes parents will sin against God because of their children giving their children first place before God. And God said, I am the Lord thy God. If you stand with me, if you love God more than anything, more than anyone, you will be blessed. It's not about what we have. It's about the one that we need in our lives. It's about the Holy One of Israel. So when you go home, look around. Look around. Do I have something that offends you, God? Is there an image of something that other people turn and look at and pray to? And they speak to it. Because let me tell you, the other part of this message could be demon-filled homes. What do you mean? Paul says, behind every idol there is a demon and sometimes God cannot work not because he is helpless but because we say no God no let this other God do the work and God says they can't do anything for you I'm trying to save you I'm trying to heal you sometimes illnesses come against a family because God is trying to call our attention trying to make us reflect and God says learn today reflect in your heart that I am God up in the heaven on earth and below the earth 
There is no another. Deuteronomy 4.39 tells you that. So it's got to be you, Jesus. I am the Lord thy God. Who is in your heart? Who has number one in your heart? Who's got the first place in your heart? It's got to be God. It's got to be God. And if you realize, I've got an image of a great singer, a large poster in my home. Be careful. Be careful. I don't. That's just me. Why? Because I want to show my love unto God. Not just with that, but with my conduct too. May God bless you today. May God bless your life. May God bless your home. In Jesus' name, our pastor with us. Let everything else fade away. Let everything else fade away. We have heard from God today. And you know, and I know what we hold on to. You and I know what we hold on to. What is it that's blocking God's promises to be fulfilled in our lives? Let everything else fade away. Everything else fade away. Why don't we come to this altar? Let's come to this altar. What is hindering my Christian walk? What is hindering my life? What is hindering me today? What's hindering me? Think about it. What's hindering me? receiving or reaching what's hindering me say it what's hindering me you're the only one I'm the only one that knows but let everything fade away today God it's only you Jesus Let everything fade away. Let all the other names fade away. Until there's only you. Let all the other names fade away. Let them fade Jesus, away. Jesus, say your place. Jesus, say your place.
Jesus said.